Jesus comforts his disciples. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God? Believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. This is the word of God. My Ursula up now. Let's pray for her. Lord, thank you for the time that Ursula has spent preparing uh, the words for us to hear this morning. I pray that you would be with us, opening our hearts and minds to what it is she has to say to us this morning. Amen. Thank you, Rachel. Good morning, everyone. Firstly, I'd like to offer some context for this past month's sermon series and acknowledge that much of this material has been prompted by the Litchfield Diocesan Pastoral Visitors Course. That's a mouthful, isn't it? (laughs) You can see it on the web, I think. Can't you, Simon? No, he doesn't know. (laughs) Secondly, I'd like to encourage you to feedback either to myself or Eleanor or Peter or through the church office any thoughts or comments about pastoral care you would like us to consider as we move on into the next phase of this process, as a small group collate the feedback and produce a working document for PCC and the wider church to consider. So, 
Many thanks to all of you who have fed back your thoughts so far, but there's plenty of room for more. These sermons are the tip of the iceberg. It's your thoughts and feedback that will provide the substance that will shape our thoughts and prayers as we discern together how we move forward as a whole church community in this area. And now, moving on to consider our passage. And like all the passages we have drawn from in this series, there's the temptation to cover so many of the issues raised that we could be here for a long time, but I'm not going to do it. So instead, I'm going to focus on the question, how can this passage inform our continuing discussions of what pastoral care might look like in Christchurch? I ended my talk that initiated this series at the beginning of February with the question, WWJD, what would Jesus do? What does Jesus say and do in this passage? Remember that here we're listening to the words of Jesus as he starts to prepare the disciples for the beginning of the end. The end of this period of his ministry as he faces arrest and death. When folk know that they are at the end stage of life, very often their thoughts focus on what they want to say to their loved ones. What are the really important things that can't be left unsaid? And here in this passage, we hear the words of Jesus. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. As we offer Christian pastoral care, we offer an expression of God's care. And integrated within the care, we offer the opportunity for that person to encounter God in their situation and to experience his grace in their lives. Quoting from the diocesan material, we hear, One of the roles of a pastoral carer is to be an encourager of faith. This does not, of course, mean cajoling or bullying or manipulating people into the rituals of faith or making false promises about what faith can do. It is about modelling a journey of faith and taking small steps with them at a time when they might find it difficult. I suspect that the disciples didn't want to hear the words of Jesus that we heard spoken at the start of this chapter. The comments of Thomas and Philip certainly show us that they hadn't grasped the full reality of the situation. The message version puts it in these words. Don't let this throw you. You trust God, don't you? Trust me. There is plenty of room for you in my father's home. If that weren't so... Would I have told you that I'm on my way to get a room ready for you? And if I'm on my way to get your room ready, I'll come back and get you so you can live where I live. And you already know the road I'm taking. But they didn't know. And as they started to see their world fall apart, the arrest, the cock crowing, the jeering crowds, the pain of the scourging, and the cross. We read in other passages of the Bible of the challenges they would face to their faith. The words, 
I'll come back and get you weren't to become a reality until many dark days had passed. And I wonder if their thoughts returned to this promise and gave them encouragement to keep believing, or whether they thought it was just empty words. And of course, it's easier for us today, isn't it? Because we've read beyond the cross and into Acts and the New Testament letters. It's easier, isn't it? Or is it? Let's be honest, because here, in our church community, is the place where we can risk being honest about how life is for us. There are times when it's just all too much. When trauma hits, or life brings us down, or we go through what St. John of the Cross called the dark night of the soul. Those times of spiritual crisis that we can experience as we journey on the way. What did Jesus do? As his disciples began to identify the shaking of their secure world, as they began to experience it, he offered them reassurance and encouragement. But he also offered a challenge. Have faith. Trust me. How well? Do we know the way of Christ? How well can we journey with someone for whom the way of Christ has become lost in the trials and tribulations of life? How might we increasingly encourage one another to trust in Jesus, to see the loving hands of our Heavenly Father reaching out towards us? How well do we know our Heavenly Father? Well, first and foremost, we recognize that all we have comes from him. All we have is in his service. But we need to remember that pastoral care is offered in all sorts of situations, in schools, in workplaces, in prisons. It's not a uniquely Christian activity. But Christian pastoral care should be different, should be unique. But how? I suggest that one of the answers is in Philip's question. Show us the Father. We don't have to be a spiritual giant to show those around us the Father. And there are so many examples of how we journey with others within our church community, with those who meet on Sunday, in home groups, in coffee in the living room, in knit and natter, in children's and youth work in informal groups and events. And in all of these, we hear testimony of how we care for each other, show our Father's love, his compassion, his concern, his encouragement, and yes, occasionally, speak his challenge. Challenge each other to become more Christ-like, to go that bit deeper in our relationship with him to spend time in prayer and spiritual reading. A few weeks ago, I was asked out to lunch by a group of clergy from over the border in deepest Wales. I like to think that they were impressed by my ability to speak their language, or at least say, at Tadden and Nevod, that's the beginning of the Lord's Prayer in a not very good Welsh accent. I'm, and I know there's some Welsh speakers here, so 
<laughs> As I listened to their reports of falling congregations, shrinking villages, dying churches, of hardly any clergy, one conversation shone out. A vicar, serving multiple parishes on her own and pastorally caring for many elderly, infirm church members. And she said, I decided I wouldn't take them a bunch of flowers when I took home communion to them. Instead, I made a stack of shepherd's pies and put them in my freezer so I could take one of them instead. I liked that. She was caring not only for the soul and ministering in the Holy Spirit, but providing sustenance for the body as well. And I know that many of us here have that same experience of pastoral care that cares not only practically or spiritually, but cares for us as the whole person in body, soul and spirit. And so, as we draw this series to a close and consider and reflect over the next week or two on the final set of questions, what challenges face us as a church community? Firstly, there is the challenge to each of us that I made a few sentences ago. How well do we know the Father? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well, is the challenge Jesus sets before us in this passage. This is the road of a disciple, a follower of Jesus. And a disciple in the ancient biblical world chose to imitate the life and teaching of the master. It was a deliberate choosing of an apprenticeship with the aim and eventual outcome that the fully formed disciple was a living copy of his master. That's the journey we're on. That's the goal we're aiming at, that by the grace of God and by the power of the Holy Spirit at work within us, we become fully formed, all that God plans for us to be. So let's just look at one aspect of our journey of discipleship and see how it informs our understanding of pastoral care. Prayer in its many forms, is one of the ways in which we connect with God and come to know more of the ways in which God is at work in our lives. How each of us pray is a very personal thing, I know. But one thing that I would say is that there are many ways of praying, of making that connection. And maybe over the next few weeks, take time to adventure with God in prayer. Trawl the depths of relationship with God that prayer can bring. Engage with spiritual reading. Let the Bible speak as you meditate on this or another favorite passage and spend time letting it take root within you. Because unless we know a person well, we cannot know how they will act or speak. And so it is with our relationship with our Heavenly Father. As the words of Jesus, I am the way, the truth and the life sink deep within us. They shape and inform our lives. And out of this fullness of relationship 
comes the uniqueness of Christian pastoral care. Comes the knowledge of how to minister care to each other, to sense the exquisite movement of the Holy Spirit's prompting in practical things and in offering support and in the ministry of helps and in all the other unique gifts each one of us has to offer. And it comes through that relationship built with our loving Heavenly Father through Jesus Christ in prayer. But I recognise that not everyone is comfortable with prayer, either with them or for them, especially when times are tough. One of the things I've noticed since I've been ordained is the change in expectation folk have about my prayer life. Recently I was at a family gathering. Now in times past there was no way I would have expected folk to come and share as openly as they did with me, a relative stranger, about their problems. But that's what happened. Then I realised why. One of my offspring had told them that I was a reverend. I think they thought they were being funny. (laughs) Was that why I was being sought out as a listening ear? I don't know. Relative strangers pouring their hearts out to the beat of disco music. And it's always too loud, isn't it? (laughs) Or maybe that's just me getting older. And as these folk finished what they had to say, I said, I will pray for you. And can I pray for you? Yes, please, was the response from both of them, neither of whom had any profession of Christian faith. 1 Peter 2 verse 5 tells us, You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. And one of the foundational doctrines of Protestantism, I've been practicing that, (laughs) one of the foundational doctrines is the priesthood of all believers. This encourages us that we can all pray. We can all offer up up prayers for others. And we can all offer to pray with others. And at this point, I'm going to ask Sarah if she'll come up, because she's going to share something of the importance of that praying in her life this week. Hi, I think if I said um, who'd had difficulties this week, we'd all put our hand up, wouldn't we? (laughs) Or two. Yes. Um, On Monday morning, um, I was at work in Wolverhampton, Um, lots going on. Several sort of NHS quangos are giving us money. Here's £200,000 spent it before 31st of March. It sounds wonderful. And it is wonderful, but it's really stressful because you've got to get the goods in and things like that. Um, the uh, a national body really should have known better. had given me the wrong information about a doctor's pathway, so that was all quite difficult. And on top of all those sort of things, people are sick. 
um, and we were having an um, upgrade, an IT upgrade to Windows 10. Um, and that meant really couldn't do much at all. I could feel this building up and building up. And I was getting panicky, but trying to remain, you know, to look calm. Uh, I've got all this in hand. <laughs> Thank you very much. But I hadn't. And I just felt absolutely overwhelmed, actually. So I texted a friend saying, please pray. I'm panicking. I just feel I can't do this. And um, she texted back. She was praying and she gave me a verse. And it wasn't an easy day, but I did know the strength of that prayer. Um, and that's pastoral care, isn't it? Just caring for one another. Um, nothing special about me, nothing special about the lady who texted me, but just that we were in, with one another and um, bearing each other's burdens. Thank you, Sarah. Praying sensitively and with discernment, with and for each other. Understanding that prayer can be a time of questioning God, of expressing anger and sadness, as well as a time of asking for comfort and peace. As the Litchfield material succinctly puts it, aware that as we offer to pray, remembering that there is a difference between asking someone to pray with you and offering to pray for them. It may be more empowering to pray with someone, but in times of crisis and difficulty, it might be important to pray for them when they cannot pray for themselves. We cannot know what the outcome of prayer will be because we believe that God hears our prayers and responds to them. It doesn't mean that we will know how God will respond to them. Healing and wholeness are about more than cures to physical suffering. And Christian pastoral care is about more. It's about seeing God's love expressed in integrity through relationships, relationships that care for each other, relationships that are built on the foundations of his love, and through care, restoring individuals' lives building healing communities and growing disciples of Jesus. It's about asking ourselves, what would Jesus do? Amen.